Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Solomon has been writing for 12 chapters, and we come right back where we began, word for word. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Which perhaps makes you wonder, was Ecclesiastes vanity? To which I would say, no, no, and no. When you first read Vanity of Vanities, some several months ago, perhaps you heard it with the ears of, well, nothing matters. If it's all vanity, if it's all fleeting, if it's all going away, then this world's stupid. Who cares? Or perhaps you heard it with the heart of a hedonist and said, well, if it's all vanity, then let me just do whatever I want to because we're all going to die. But I would hope after 12 chapters of wisdom, 12 chapters of truth, 12 chapters of God's Word, that today we would hear vanity of vanities in a much different light. I pray that we would hear vanity of vanities like this. Vanity of vanities. This life is fleeting. It's temporary. It's passing. And yet it's good for me to know that. So that I can honor God and enjoy what he's given me. You see, understanding our vanity is not a spear to life. It's not the death of enjoyment, but understanding our vanity is actually the path to honor God and to enjoy the life that he gives us. And so that actually is the main point of this passage this morning, that there is a way to enjoy that which is vanity. There is a way to enjoy vanity. And so our sermon is entitled this morning, Enjoying Your Vanity. And so if you're just going to give me about 15 seconds this morning, here it is. Your life and our world is like a vapor. It's fleeting. It's vain. It will be gone. And some of the things like our youth that we enjoy the most pass. Yet, there is a way to continually enjoy our lives because it's informed by the truth that our lives are fleeting. There's a way to continually enjoy this life because our lives are informed by the truth that God will be with us at every phase of this vain life. So this morning, from these passages, I want to challenge me and challenge you to look for that path to enjoy our vanity. Here's how I think it looks like. We have the option to expend all of our energy preserving what we love or to expend all of our energy enjoying what we love as a gift from God while we have it. Let me say that one more time. We have the option to expend all of our energy trying to preserve what we love, like I never want to lose it, or we can recognize that it's fleeting and I can enjoy it now as a gift from God while I have it. Let me see if I can give you an illustration that drives this point home. In my home, my children have limited access to technology. And um, 
But here's what will happen. They'll say, hey, Dad, can I play my, my first turn on the iPod? To which we hope that they would recognize that they have limited access and that their iPod time is vanity and that they would enjoy the 20 minutes that they get. Which is what you would hope as well, right? But you know what my kids do? They spend the whole 20 minutes in a fret, worrying, jockeying, and annoyingly asking for more. And they don't even enjoy it. But they actually get disappointed because 20 minutes is only 20 minutes. And after 1959 on the clock, it's over. And you chuckle at my kids, but I think that's how we approach our lives. I'm in a sweet spot in my job right now, so rather than enjoying the sweet spot, I'm going to expend all my energy trying to preserve the sweet spot. I'm a young, strapping lad. I look good in a swimsuit. I, this is clearly not me. I look good in a swimsuit. I got no body fat. I eat healthy. I work out a lot. People love to be around me. I have a great personality. Youth is good. And we spend all of the energy of our youth trying to preserve it instead of just recognizing that it's a gift from God for now and the path of joy is to enjoy what we have while we have it rather than trying to white-knuckle it and make sure that it never moves on us. Those of us that have been married for more than six days, we know that there are sweet spots in marriage and there's hard spots in marriage. And rather than trying to white-knuckle the sweet spots to make sure that, that the tide never shifts, Solomon, I believe, would say, enjoy the sweet spot while it's a sweet spot. There is no fountain of youth. There is no path of perfection. There is no magic bullet that will make you the uber-productive employee that you desire to be with no wasted moments in your life. There is no pill that will make you ace every exam. There is no perfect solution to take away the vain nature of the world that we live in. When I say vain, I mean fleeting and temporary. And so here's Solomon, I believe, when he comes to chapter 12, verse 8. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. I don't think he intends that to be a punch in your gut where you go, then what am I supposed to do? I think he intends it to be like this. That's right. Everything is vain. And in every phase of this vain life, there is a way to enjoy it and honor God. And I'm going to seek it while I have it. So that, that's the sermon. Now let me see if I can prove to you that that's actually in this passage. So for my note-taking friends, first point this morning, vanity of vanities. <coughs> in this passage, Solomon's driving away that there's nothing under the sun that will last. It's all fleeting. And these are the bookends of Ecclesiastes. So go back to chapter 1, verse 2. After we get this introduction telling us who wrote Ecclesiastes, what's the first thing out? Vanity of vanities. 
fleeting, momentary, like a mist, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then Solomon's going to chug away, knocking our legs out from under us. And he's going to let us know that, that all these things that we cling to for our hope in the world will fail us and they will be gone because only the Lord and His people are forever. And then we, we, we meander all the way through Ecclesiastes, all the way back to chapter 12, verse 8. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. So Solomon wants me and you to believe that this world and all that it offers us, our money, our pleasure, our homes, our knowledge, our wisdom, our jobs, our families, our bodies, our lives, all of it is temporary, momentary, like a mist, unable to be possessed forever. Momentary, temporary, like a mist, unable to be possessed forever. So just think for a moment, friends. What's that one thing that brings you the most joy in this world? You got it? Right, we're going to start. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, can, can you begin to hear Solomon saying, it will not be with you forever? It will not satisfy your soul forever? Now what do we do with this truth? First of all, don't go the path of nihilism, which means since everything is meaningless, that's not what Solomon is saying. He's not saying meaningless, he's saying fleeting. But don't go the path of saying, since it's temporary and since it's fleeting, nothing matters. That would be inconsistent with the book of Ecclesiastes. Your life matters. Your usage of your wealth matters. Your usage of your knowledge matters. Your stewardship of your family matters. Your days on this earth matter. So we will not hear this and go the path of nihilism. Second, don't hear this and go the path of hedonism, which says, well, if it's all fleeting, then I might as well be happy. In a very earthly, worldly, I'm going to get my own kind of sense. Don't hear this and say, well, I'm going to get mine to heck with everyone else. Don't go there. Don't go there. Third, don't be afraid of the truth that your life and all things in it are temporary. Don't be afraid of the truth that all things in your life are temporary. You can find the perfect meal plan 
the perfect exercise program, the perfect mid-level marketing shake supplement to go with your perfect meal plan, the perfect brand of, of other supplements, and your life is still fleeting. And it's still temporary. And it's still vanity. If you choose to, you can get as much plastic surgery as your money can buy to try to hide the fact, but it's still the truth that it's fleeting. And I'm not making any kind of statements on the morality of plastic surgery, so don't read that in there. It's just a point that I'm trying to make. So we do not need to be afraid of the truth that our lives are temporary. Which means our family's lives are temporary. Which means our friendships might be temporary. Which means our kids aren't going to be sweet little one-year-olds forever. And all the parents say, Amen. Sorry, we love you guys. So we don't have to be afraid of the truth. Fourth, we don't have to avoid the truth. We don't have to avoid it. For whatever reason, when we as Americans in 2000, and what's this year, 17? When we hear truth, we go, okay, yeah, 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 and then, but I'm going to act like I didn't hear it. If a person went to the doctor and was told that they have cancer, and that with chemotherapy, they could be healed, but without chemotherapy, they are going to die within a week. I know that's a hyperbolic issue, but just, just bear with me. And the person said, nah, I'm going to live forever and pretend that the doctor didn't say that. We would all be like, you're crazy. Right? But yeah, we do that all the time. Life is fleeting. Pleasure will not prop us up. No human can be to us what only Jesus can be to us. We try to act like we don't know these truths. We don't have to avoid them. Let's stop trying to. And fifth, let's commit ourselves <coughs> to try to live faithfully as the children of God under the truth that our life is fleeting. Let's commit ourselves to try to live faithfully under the truth that our life is fleeting. And so that leads to our second point this morning. So my how people, how do I do that? That's the whole second point. Enjoying your vanity. I believe Solomon is writing this saying there is a way to know of your vanity and enjoy it even though it's temporary. Whatever it is. So the second point, the way to enjoy the fleeting elements of your life is to receive each moment as a gift from God and use it according to God's wisdom. The way to enjoy those elements of your life which are fleeting is to receive each moment as a gift from God and use it according to God's wisdom. So, if you love your youth, that's actually one of the examples in this passage. If you love your young, vibrant body, I'm here to tell you, it's going to go away. 40's coming. And then 50. And I'm going to stop there. (laughs) 
But that doesn't mean that your youth is not a blessing from God that you can enjoy. And it doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't have a purpose for your youth in his world. A second example is money. Your money is fleeting. It could all be gone tomorrow. Yet that does not mean that your money is not something that the Lord would want you to enjoy according to his wise ways. Those are two examples here. We could talk about our families. We could talk about our jobs. We could talk about our health. We could talk about so many things, but I'll stay with the two that are in this passage. So here's the, here's the, the choice. We can expend all of our energy trying to white-knuckle that which is temporary, like my kids on their technology. Or we can choose to embrace the vain nature of it and enjoy it while we have it and use it for God's glory. Two examples here in this passage. One is the example of youth. And the second is the example of money. We're going to take those in that order because I think the one about youth is the most clear. So in this passage, Solomon is talking, in the second part of this passage, Solomon is talking to those who are chronologically young. Their number rounds down if you will. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. You see, so he's, he's calling out to the young and he's saying, enjoy it. Rejoice. But if you are to enjoy your youth, first you must recognize that your youth is fleeting. You must recognize that your youth is fleeting. So look at verse, starting verse 5, chapter 11, verse 5. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So what he says in verse 5, sorry, look at verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So what Solomon says in verses 5 and 6, we don't control the outcomes of this world. We don't know how God is going to act. We don't know what God is going to accomplish. And when we sow our seed, we don't know which seed is going to prosper, (coughs) which seed is not going to prosper, because ultimately we're not in control of the world God is. And then he pushes that forward in verses 7 and 8. And he says, Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So, positive statement. Light is good. Okay? Amen? Good. All right. Now, verse 8. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice 
in all of them. So if a person lives many years under the sun to see the sun, let him rejoice in all of them, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So you see what Solomon's saying? The sun is good. But as long as you live, there will be many days of darkness. So don't let the truth that darkness is coming cause you to miss the sun now. Don't let the reality that darkness is coming cause you to cease to enjoy the sun while you have it because you're afraid of the darkness. Rather, recognize that God's in control and your life is fleeting. It's moving forward. It is temporary. Do you see what Solomon's saying? I want you to see this is coming from the Scripture. Then he's going to get really, really practical. So skip over with me to chapter 12, verses 2 through 6. He's really driving home at this point that your youth is temporary. He says, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. We'll come back to that in a minute. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So he's saying, man, there are some days coming that are not going to be as joyful as these young days are. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease before they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of the song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and the terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Okay, just, just anybody want to take a stab at what that means? Let's do our best, okay? We'll start at the bottom. Before the mourners go about the streets, before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken. Basically what he's saying is, young man, your life will come to an end there will be people who are mourning you, okay? So, so we know that's the main point of all of this. But all of this above that from verse 2 to verse 6, I've spent a lot of time looking at this this week, and most scholars believe it's metaphor. It's, it's language of different aspects of the body um, dwindling as we get older. So a few obvious examples. The grinders. And the grinders cease. Most likely referring to your teeth. Like they get to the point where you don't have them anymore and you can't chew. Scholars were also pretty unified on verse 5 and desire fails. I'll let you fill that one in with what comes to mind, parents. But the reality is, yeah, that's what they say, okay? I'm no Hebrew scholar. But the reality is that Solomon is drawing out in great detail this this idea that our bodies will fade. They will, will fail us. So Solomon's point if, if, if number of words mean importance, if number of words mean 
emphasis, his main point to the young person here is recognize that your youth is fleeting. And this is where the message of Ecclesiastes kind of turns on its head. The path to joy begins with vanity. The path to joy begins with recognizing that it doesn't last forever. Then Solomon says, but enjoy your youth. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Chapter 11, verse 8. So if a person lives many years, imperative, command, let him rejoice in them. Everybody take in a big, deep breath of oxygen right now. Big, deep breath. I promise this isn't going to get weird and hokey and Oprah, okay? That breath of oxygen is a sign to you that it's God's will for you to be alive right now. It's a sign to you that it's God's will for your life to carry forward. And it's a sign to you that it's God's desire for you to enjoy the life that he's given you. Verse 9, he continues, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. I mean, just based on verses 8 and 9, do you think it's Solomon's desire that the truth of our vanity would lead us to depression? No. Do you think it's Solomon's desire that the truth of our vanity would fill us with sorrow? No. I think it's Solomon's desire that the truth of our our fleeting life would say how much more is today a gift and a blessing that I will enjoy from the hand of God. Do you see that in the passage? I want you to see it in the passage. Do you see it in the passage? So if we're to enjoy our youth, we need to recognize its vanity And we need to recognize that God desires us to enjoy it. And then third, we need to use our youth according to God's wisdom. We need to use our youth according to God's wisdom. Again, verse 9. He says rejoice. He says walk in the ways of your heart. Follow your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. My stepdad used to say something to me when I was a teenager like, like, hey, do whatever you want to tonight, but, but don't do anything that's going to bring dishonor to God, to our family, or to you, or something to that effect. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so Solomon's like, look, man, enjoy your youth. Be full. Pursue your desires, but remember we will all stand before the Lord. And that is a necessary governor for us as we go off to enjoy. He goes one step further, chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. I think that's the positive side of the coin. Go and enjoy, but enjoy by remembering God. Remember, it's He who made you. It's He who put you here. It's He who's blessed you. It's He who's with you. Remember the Lord. So friends, I think in this passage, when Solomon's talking about youth, he says, 
Enjoy your vain youth by recognizing its vanity, choosing to enjoy it rather than trying to preserve it, and living it according to God's wisdom. So I think there's a, there's a pattern for us there. Whatever it is, recognize its vanity, its temporariness, choose to enjoy it, and, and use it according to God's ways and God's wisdom. There's another bit going on in this passage at the top of chapter 11, and I promise I'll be briefer about money. But Solomon basically makes some of the same points. This is chapter 11, 1, 2, 3, 4. He says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or, or, even, eight, or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. So, verses 1 and 2, there's, there's a debate amongst scholars about whether or not this is about investing our money or being benevolent with our money. But either way, there's this call to use it wisely. There's this call to understand that we don't possess it forever, and that's what comes in verses 3 and 4. If the clouds are full of rain, they'll empty themselves on the earth. If a tree falls, it falls, and there it will be. What's he saying in verse 3? We don't control the outcomes. Things are temporary. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. He says, don't be so caught up in, 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 in don't be so caught up in fear of making the wrong decision and losing what you have that you just fail to live with what God has given you. I see this same pattern about money. Recognize its vanity. Enjoy it, but enjoy it according to God's wisdom. So here, here, here it comes, Ecclesiastes, to a grinding, screeching halt in a crescendo like this. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. But vanity doesn't have to catapult us into fear. Vanity can catapult us into joy. And I think that's what Solomon wants for us this morning. Consider your youth. Consider your youth. And learn from how to enjoy your youth, how to enjoy everything that God has given us. I want to conclude this sermon by pushing it forward, by pushing it toward the New Testament. Solomon, I believe, is writing for God's people. I believe he's writing for those who are God's children, those who belong to the Lord. And so I just want to remind you that every exhortation, every promise, every word of truth in the Bible points to Jesus Christ who came to make God and God's ways known to us, who came to purchase our salvation, and who came to show us that God saves sinners. So as we face this vain world, here are my closing thoughts for you this morning. 
remember that Jesus frees us from the fear of vanity. Remember that Jesus frees us from the fear of vanity. Is there anything that can be taken away from you that Jesus cannot overcome in the way that he loves and tenderly saves you? Number two, remember that Jesus frees us to look beyond this life. Remember that Jesus frees us to look beyond this life. I'm convinced that if I can live as if dying doesn't break me, I can live differently. And number three, and maybe if you're exploring Christianity or you're new to the church, you've never heard this before. Jesus frees us to enjoy this life. Jesus frees us to enjoy this life. You see, when I get to walk through this life not fearful that the sum total of who I am is what I do in the rest of this day, I can enjoy this life. When I get to walk through this life without fearing that I'm going to flip a trigger and God's going to hate me, this life changes. When I get to walk through this life without fearing that, this, that, that I have to earn my place, my way, my joy, then I get to actually enjoy life rather than using it as a means to an end. So Jesus frees us from the fear of vanity. Jesus frees us to enjoy, to look beyond this life. And Jesus frees us to enjoy this life. Vanity of vanities, friends. Welcome to the world. I pray you'll find joy in this world because you've been brought to see this world for what it really is and see how great Jesus is. If we could talk with you about who Jesus is, we would love to. If we could point you toward Christ, we would love to do so. If we can help you wrestle with anything that's been said today, please allow us to do so because it would be our privilege. Father in heaven, pray now you would come you would teach, you would speak you would mold, you would shape we pray you would lead us to respond to you in faith and in ways that would bring great honor to your name so congregation at this time I would just simply invite you to respond to the Lord however he might be leading you perhaps you just want to stand and worship because the Lord is that great. Perhaps you need to just sit and pray and think and talk to the Lord. Perhaps you like to pray with someone. We have some folks in the back that would love to pray with you. We're going to receive an offering as a way to worship God together. However God's leading you, we'd invite you to, to respond to Him now.